Welcome to Epiphany Fellowships Podcast. My name is Dr. Eric Mason, lead pastor and founder of Epiphany Fellowship in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Thank you so much for tuning into our podcast. Our desire is to see people everywhere show off the glory of Christ in every area of life. God bless you as you listen and consider subscribing so that you can tune in every week to check out new messages. God bless you and take care. What's good, Philly? Lots of things, right? Let, let me apologize first for my voice. Um, I always understood allergies to be seasonal, but apparently they're regional too. And I bounced back and forth in between three cities this week, so I'm getting over some stuff. So I may not sound great, but you ain't here for me anyway. Amen? So I'm just someone standing here with a mic, that's all. Um, that James 1 passage that Pastor Nyron mentioned earlier is a big one for me because I feel like that's a, a passage that God has rooted me in over the past, I want to say, four to five months. I had this idea of consider it pure joys when you face trials and tribulations of many kind because the testing of your faith will develop perseverance and perseverance must finish its work so that you could be complete, lacking nothing. But if any one of you lacks anything, he should ask of God. He or she should ask of God who gives freely without finding any fault. And that's the best part. Who gives generously and freely without finding fault. And if you're as jacked up as me, that's a word. That's good news. And I've been going through a season where what God is teaching me is this. God is teaching me to lean into the discomfort, to not run from it. And, and I say this because maybe you'll understand it or maybe this will help you. But I believe that the goodness and the grace of God is not evident in the absence of suffering. It's evident in the midst of it. Because that's where God does his best work in through and for us when everything else is against us God is ever powerful ever gracious ever good and for that he is worthy to be praised amen amen I'm a gospel preacher that's all you're gonna get cool I ain't gonna try to get clever I don't even got a title for the sermon I don't you can name it what you want Matthew 4 verses 1 through 4. I'll read it, and then we'll jump in. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry, and the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he, Jesus, answered him, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. May grace and peace be yours in Christ. Now, by by way of introduction, again, Rich Rivera, I'm a native New Yorker, New Yorican, if you know what that means. Um, Any Latinos here? Yeah. You really should have did that better. 
you did not represent us well. Any Latinos here? Gracias. Um, I have the honor and the privilege of pastoring a small church plant in the South Bronx. And I say that because I am under the deep conviction that people in place can't be separated. Like if you want to know the person, you really should do all that you can to know the place that helps shape and form them. So those people, the people that I have the privilege to pastor in the South Bronx are the same people that have committed to loving and caring for me as their pastor. I've asked them to pray for us this week, so I just want you to know that they have prayed for our time together. And, and it means a lot to me. I, I love where I'm from, and I love going to visit other places where other people are from. Because I think when God comes for us, he comes for all of us. He don't just come for the pretty parts. He comes for all of it. So my deepest prayer is that all of God would meet all of us through my imperfect and faulty preaching. Um, also, just want to say I'm super grateful for this church and its ministry. It's highly influential to us hood cats. I just want you to know that. And, and I know New York is only two hours away, but it feels like a world away sometimes. But it reaches. This church's ministry and its influence reaches. So thank all of you for having me here. Thank you for your faithfulness to God and your obedience in that. And um, know that you're loved and prayed for from where we're at as well. So what I want to do real quick is I'm going to ask a question, and it's not for you to answer because I'm going to answer it. So I'm going to ask a question that you are not to answer, but I will answer. Cool? How do you stop a revolution? You get to it before it starts. Our Lord, before turning the world on its head, endured temptation and was victorious over Satan. And now, because of his victory we too can experience victory over the tempter. Yeah, yeah. That's good. A lot of this stuff ain't going to sound like it's, I'm dropping a mic. It's subtle. It's simple, but not simplistic. It's important. And we need to know this. So because of his victory, we too can experience victory over the tempter, but only if we follow our Lord's lead. Only if we do it the way he did it. Only if we humble ourselves and find within ourselves the God-granted strength to obey, to fast, and to respond, not react. Respond. Because that is exactly what our Lord has done. Verse 1. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Now this... Being led into the wilderness comes off of a spiritual high. This is fresh off of the Jordan River experience. This is Jesus being baptized as if he needed to. And then having the Holy Spirit descend as a dove. And to have everyone in attendance hear the audible voice of God the Father speak. This is my son in whom I am well pleased. I do not know about you, but if that just happened to me, I would not go into the wilderness. <laughs> I'd write a book. 
I go speak places, I do whatever. Because that's pretty good, is it not? To have the Holy Spirit descend upon you. To have your Father's voice say audibly, I am well pleased in my boy. This is where we find Jesus being led into the wilderness. And what's incredible about this is, and you miss it if you blink, he was led by who? Jesus was obedient. After a spiritual high, he submitted to the Holy Spirit's leading. And he did what the Holy Spirit told him to do. He didn't fall back on what had just happened to him. He didn't lean on the comfort of all the shine that must have been his in that moment. He was obedient and went out into the wilderness. And what's important for us and what makes all the difference is that Jesus obeyed as a man in a body that is very much like yours and mine. So the scholars, the theologians have this term. It's called the hypostatic union. It means that Jesus was in possession of two full natures, one human and one divine. He didn't step into it in the divine. He stepped into it as a man. Um, There's another Puerto Rican pastor from New York City, a friend of mine. His name is Jose Humphreys, and he wrote a book called Seeing Jesus in East Harlem. And this is a quote from his book. It's an amazing book. You should get it. In all the places that Christ would inhabit, he would honor the simplicity of humanity. Participating in the ordinary while performing signs and wonders, pointing to a more transcendent reality than ours, than the one this world creates. Jesus came to us. Don't sleep on that. The most slept on, in my opinion, of all Christian doctrines is the incarnation. This idea of God with us. He is never far off. He is with us at all times. And he is with us because he inhabited a body. So any faith that we have in Jesus that doesn't honor that fact is a disembodied faith. And we are both a body and a storied people. So if we don't honor those things within each other, the church can't be whole. One body, many parts. I think I used this before and I'll use it again. Have you ever stubbed your toe and like lost a toenail? Wasn't it incredible how one little toenail just stops life? (laughs) One body, many parts. When you you don't gather with the saints, the body's never whole. And it's never fully healthy either. It's a little off. And we have to develop some spiritual disciplines here if this is going to work. Now, I just want to say this. I believe in the sovereignty of God. Straight up. I do. 
But I also believe in divine sovereignty and holy hustle. God is sovereign over things of eternal significance. I have some work to do in light of that. I have to be disciplined. I have to do those things. Jesus was obedient as a man, so now all who trust in him have the power to resist the enemy's advances. It's important that we honor his body, the incarnation, so that we can understand that now to all who have trusted and rested in him for new life has been granted by God the power to resist the enemy's advances. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. I would be hungry too. Fasting, quite honestly, is not one of those spiritual disciplines I embrace. It's really hard for me. Like it bothers me that I just don't do it more or I'm not better at it. And I'm always like a little ashamed of it as a pastor, to be honest. Because it does sound like a spiritual thing to do, to fast. So when I read things like this, I have to start asking myself some questions. Why is it so important that we fast? Why, why would Jesus fast after the spiritual high, being led into the wilderness so that he could be tempted by the devil? Why would that be such a big deal? Well, remember that whole disembodied part? Jesus was never disembodied. He knew he had a body and he knew he came from a people and that people were in a place. So the 40 days and 40 nights of fasting, we've heard that before in Scripture, haven't we? Y'all know about Moses and Elijah? Arguably the two greatest prophets for the nation of Israel. Jesus follows them among that line, saying, I am a person from this particular place and this particular people. All connected. Same two, the same two people who, when Jesus decided to show off all his glory, stood by him. Remember the transfiguration? Peter, James, and John, always with Jesus when he withdrew. And one day he decided to flex a little, and he flexed, and boy, did he flex. He flexed, and all of a sudden, the nation of Israel's greatest heroes were standing beside him. Not in the center. He was the one in the center. Jesus is just letting everyone know that out of all of the prophets, he is the prophet. He is the most powerful of all. Jesus is the, the fulfillment of every prophetic utterance up until that point. Everything finds its completion in Christ. Everything. And he dares to connect his story to a story of a people. This is the love of Christ. He cares about your story. He cares about your body. He cares about the place you come from. And before he saves all of that, he endures something that we wouldn't do ourselves. But why is fasting so important? Why 
do that? Why just not show up and be tempted? And that's the question I've asked myself. This, this, this is the three answers I came up with. And maybe they'll be helpful for you because I'm trying to learn them myself. I'm trying to learn that we fast because fast helps us focus. It's for clarity's sake. So what is it that it helps us focus on? Well, first and foremost, it helps us focus on prayer. When you're that hungry and your body starts to physically feel the pain, you have to pray. When a temptation of a cheesecake floats by, <laughs> she knows what I'm talking about. You have to pray because you said something that you said something to God. You said, I'm gonna do this, Lord, for whatever amount of days. But you feel it in a pinch. It, it focuses us on prayer. It forces us to go to God to say, I am coming to you because I need what only you can give me in this moment. Whatever comfort I need can only happen in prayer with you. It also, in doing that, helps us to focus on God. And I know that sounds odd, like God should go first. But if we're honest, does God go first? Have you listened to much prayer lately? Doesn't it sound as if God is supplemental to our happiness? You could tell by hearing the things we pray for. Fasting helps us focus on God as God, as our Father, as good, gracious, kind, just, holy, and righteous, as the only one who can do that for us which we cannot do for ourselves. And speaking about selves, that's the third thing it helps us focus on, ourselves. It helps us to be hyper aware of who we are in the midst of difficulty. And maybe fasting doesn't, maybe fasting isn't difficult for you. I don't believe that. I think it's difficult for everyone. But there's something to focus here that I think we need to pay attention to. Get it? Focus, pay attention. There's something here. Jesus did this willingly, obediently. Listening to the leading of the Holy Spirit after what we would all count as a spiritual win. Maybe he knew what he was doing for us required divine focus. Remember I said he was before he started a revolution that set the world on its head. He knew what he was going into. And so he went into it. He didn't run from it. But listen to how he went into it first. Obediently. <laughs> to be tempted. To do that which only he can. Text will go on to say, and the tempter came and said to him, 
If you are the son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered him, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So Jesus responds to him. He doesn't react. The spiritual discipline allowed him to respond. Spiritually undisciplined folk react. There's a huge difference in that. Not only did he respond, but he responded with the word of God, not his words. Well, technically, his words. (laughs) But you get it, right? We got to do the dance. We have to do that dance. Jesus responds, and how does he respond? By quoting something again that connects him to his people. He goes back to the old, old Testament stories. He goes back to Moses and Elijah. Bread comes up. Bread. The people, the nation wandered. 40 years. And it rained bread. <laughs> Elijah has a bread experience too. He's another one that understands spiritual highs. You remember Mount Carmel? Right? All these false prophets, he kind of makes fun of them. Like, where's your God now? Huh? <laughs> he does all that stuff. And then when it's his turn, he goes, okay, fire, the fire, and then all of this stuff, right? He just won a major victory. He must have looked like the man. And then Jezebel says, I am going to kill you. (laughs) And Elijah bounces. Not only does he leave, not only does he run away, but if you look at the text, you start to see that my brother fell into deep depression to the point of suicide. He ends up on the little tree asking God to take his life because he finally figured out, even after his spiritual high, that he wasn't as fly as he thought he was. Because he says, I am no better than my father's. And God graciously, instead of rebuking him, lets him fall asleep and rest. It's the craziest thing to me. He lets him rest. And then he gently wakes him up with a tap on the shoulder. And when Elijah wakes up, there's like hot hot bread by his head and a glass of water. He lets him, God lets him eat. And we know what Elijah does. He falls asleep again. Apparently he's really tired. (laughs) And it was all good with God. Do you see God's love in that? You see how he'll let us rest? And he'll feed us? So what does he do? He wakes him up again. The angel of the Lord gently taps him on the shoulder again and wakes him up. It ain't rude. It ain't like... Banging pots, that's the Latino in me. <laughs> Your mother never did that? Mine did. Well, they built that thing, she could hit it. And what does the angel of the Lord tell him? Eat this food. God, through the angel, says, Because the journey I'm sending you on is too much for your own food, it's too much for your own strength. 
Jesus is connecting to these guys. What is he saying? What is he trying to teach us as his followers? He connects his experience to the people. He stands in that prophetic line of a people and a nation as the prophet, the one ultimately to, to fulfill every prophetic utterance up until that point, the only one that can set things right. And by so doing, he leads us and he leads us and leaves us um, a blueprint for dealing with spiritual temptation. And, and in so doing, he actually, actually teaches us a few things about how to do it. Very practical things. Number one, not all temptations are tests. The super spiritual folks count everything as a test from God. God is not sending that lady with that nice hair next to walk by you. Even that becomes a test from God. And I confess, I've done this. And, and maybe you could tell me, am I alone? Have you ever thought, like, God must be doing this great thing in your life, and that's why all this temptation is here, this is testing you, to see if you're really worthy of the work he is about to embark you upon? Because <laughs> if you look in this particular instance, no one knows the son like the father. Jesus himself says this in John 17. God had total confidence in his son. He wasn't worried that he might fail, but he allowed it. In fact, he initiated it. He led him to it. Satan was the one testing. Satan wanted to test if this was really real or not. Because Satan, he's just that type of cat that always thinks he, there might be a chance. Satan has no wins. That's what the whole it is done thing is for. It is finished. He has no wins. And Jesus is connecting to these stories so that we know that we, because of him, can now resist the enemy's advances. Not all temptations are tests. This thing was not a test of God. It was all of Satan. And I suspect that most of our own experiences go much the same way. God is not testing us. He's actually loving us. He is being gracious to us. He is shaping and forming us in the midst of our trials and tribulations. Jesus also lets us know that it takes more to bread to stay alive. You want to have a healthy spiritual life? Just don't depend on bread. It takes more than bread to stay alive. We are never really nourished. We are never really satisfied if the word of God is missing from our daily diet. We live at a particular point in history where the access to solid biblical teaching is everywhere. You can listen to podcasts. You can look up commentaries. There's apps that remind you to read your Bible. Yeah. <laughs> I tried it, by the way, and I felt horrible. It's like, I, I shouldn't need an app to remind me. I shouldn't. 
We, and it's a spiritual discipline to sit up under the word of God and to hear from them daily. If I didn't do that, how would I know that his mercies are new every morning? How would I know? I wouldn't. But if we're always depending on someone else to feed us, then we are spiritual babies. Unable to feed ourselves. There is no excuse to not be a people who are up in their word daily. At all points. Also, and I'm wrapping up soon. I, I, I don't know if she said good. It sounded like she said good. I was like, I was like, this sis just say good? Oh, okay. I just heard good. You scared me. You scared me. This is the one they're going to have to use for the podcast because that was great. That was great. You could tell I'm just this very, uh, thank you. Yeah, I really got worried for a hot minute. I was like, wow. <laughs> Philly is tough. <laughs> I started this with a question, right? Like, how, and an answer. Like, how do you stop a revolution? Well, you get to it before it starts. So now let me ask you a question. What God-sized revolution may Satan be trying to stop for you? Because he's going to wait to the perfect time when you finally decide, all right, it's go time. And you're feeling good. You're coming off that spiritual high to come at you. Will you respond or react? Will you follow our Lord's lead or will you do it in your own strength? Because if you're leaning on your own understanding, you're already lost. You're already done. You're going to have to wait. And I want to say that word. I say that intentionally, wait. I said I believe in divine sovereignty and holy hustle, right? That means God is going to do what he's going to do, with or without me. I don't want to waste a witness. I want to see it happen. You should too. Don't waste your witness. Be spiritually disciplined. Be obedient to the leading of the Holy Spirit. Engage in the spiritual discipline of fasting. Make the word of God part of your daily diet. And when your time comes, you will respond. And you will endure. Because you have learned how to abide. How to rest and trust in the powerful grace of God for all of your life. And that's really what this Christian life thing is about, isn't it? Just learning how to abide. It's the hardest thing in the world to just remain. To be still and know that he is God and that he will be exalted. Because if we amen that we're saying, well, I play no part in it. He's God. He will be exalted. I just got to be still. So be still. Be still. I love y'all. I'll pray and then I'll bounce.
Father God, you are kind, gracious, and good in ways that we don't even have words for. And we thank you that you would lead us into our own wilderness moments, God, so that we would be able to, after much careful discipline, praying, fasting, and reading of your word, um, we would be able to respond and resist the enemy's advances. I thank you, God, for making many people one people. I thank you, God, for the great gift of new life. I thank you for the people that I share this room with right now, God. I pray that you would meet them in a very personal, powerful, and undeniable way, God. I pray that whatever trials and tribulations they are experiencing, God, that they would not run from them, but they would lean into the discomfort of them and that you would meet them in such a way that they would be energized and empowered to move forward. We thank you for the great gift of your grace, and we just pray that you would continue loving us um, powerfully and that you would keep speaking to us prophetically and that you would uh, continue to guide us patiently. We love you, Lord, and we thank you in the beautiful, powerful, and magnificent name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to today's message. I hope that it was a blessing to you and it was aiding in your life to help you to show off the glory of Christ in every area of life. If this message has been a blessing to you, we want you to consider partnering with us in ministry so that we can maximize what God has called us to do locally, nationally, and internationally. You can go to epiphanyfellowship.org, go under give, and consider donating. Thank you. Take care. See you next week.